0: You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Good to be with you. Welcome. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 4 as we continue our journey through the book of Mark. Mark chapter 4. Uh, I love that, that word about amplify student ministry. Don't judge the kids and also don't judge me because I was with them and I don't know how your week was but I can promise you it was not better than mine. All right, I got to spend the last three nights with those awesome teenagers and uh, they're crazy. And they're awesome. And so it's so cool. There's nothing like seeing a group of students who are hungry for community, who are hungry for truth. And, uh, and we had an absolute, absolute blast. And so shout out to them. This is day four of camp, all right? I told them yesterday, come today. Day four of camp right here. So if I get a little bit crazy with the sound effects, a little loopy, uh, a little silly, that's what happened, all right? I, it's going to take me a while to shake off youth camp. So uh, as, as you go into your Bibles there, I just want to I wanna acknowledge the fact that every time we come into this space, I feel like we're getting to know each other a little bit better, aren't we? It's like we're getting to know each other, pastor to parishioner, leader to congregants. And so I'm enjoying seeing you and getting to know you. And so one of the things that you should know about me, I'm going to do some self-disclosure here. I'm a very enthusiastic person. Gasp! (laughs) No, right? Yeah, I'm just—I'm—that's just who I am, dude. Every time I do one of these personality tests, every time I do like a, a gift assessment, whatever it is, they always call me the recruiter. Like that's the phrase that they put for my personality. And so I often find myself in the situation where I watch a movie, or or. Or I'll find a new TV show, or I'll I'll read a book, and I put it down, and I'm like, "Oh, oh, that was the best!" And I tell all my friends, "Dude, you gotta watch this movie. Oh my gosh, it's amazing!" And you can see it on their face, where it's almost like, "Really? Wow!" And they're just they're getting sucked in here, just like, "Man, okay, you got me. I'll go watch the movie." And then I'll see them the next week, and I'm like, "Did you watch it?" And they're like, "Yeah." And I'm like, what did you think? And they're like, uh, it was okay. And I'm like, and I'm shocked, right? I'm just like, what do you mean? You didn't experience the greatness in the same way that I did? And it blows my mind. It blows my mind that there are other people not as enthusiastic as me. Friends, this is called mixed reviews, right? Sometimes I I finish a show. And I'm not the kind of guy that can easily move on. Like, I'm emotionally invested. And so it's not like I finish the show and I'm like, okay, next. I'm like, no, i got to linger in that. You know what I'm saying? I want to think about that. And so I'll often find myself, like, Googling about the show or the movie or the book. And I want to see what other people uh, thought about it. I want to read other people. And I always come across these people called the critics. Oh, and they're called the critics for a reason, Right? And I just, I get so angry because I'm like, this was the best movie ever. And they're like, that wasn't even art. And I'm like, surely we weren't watching the same movie. Surely we were not having the same cinematic experience. But friends, there are always mixed reviews. And I just have to remind myself, people are allowed to be wrong. People are allowed to be wrong. You see, for the last few weeks, we've been going back to Galilee. We're going back to the days of Jesus. And as we go there, we see that Jesus, he is spreading this news. He is spreading this message that there is a movement taking place. There is a movement. The kingdom has come and the king is calling. And as this message spreads, as this movement grows, we find that Jesus was also met with mixed reviews. There were a variety of reactions, there were a a variety of responses to Jesus in Galilee. But we don't need to go to Galilee for mixed reviews, do we? Right in this community, sometimes right even in this room, there are a variety of reactions, there are different responses to Jesus. And hear me, that's okay, all right? This is not a cult where we, we are forcing groupthink and, and you have to think. Hey, we all have to consider on our own these words, all right? We all are invited to come closer, think, to consider this. We also need to consider, with a great level of self awareness, the dynamics that are at play in our own hearts, right? And to realize there may be things happening in our own story that are keeping us from looking at these words objectively. And so we're considering here how we respond. And so as we consider Jesus, as we go back in time, as we see the mixed reviews to Jesus' message, we are going to be given a framework. This morning, Jesus is going to give us categories by which we can assess our own response and reaction to Jesus. He's going to give us a paradigm. He's going to give us a framework that is going to beg the question, which one are you? And so we go back in time, and we're going to start in chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Are you ready? Students, you ready? Let's get it. Here we go. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and a hundredfold, And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that... They may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. First thing we see this morning, friends, are that parables invite the hungry, but expose the indifferent. Parables invite the hungry, but expose the indifferent. And so we go back to the beginning, and we see that Jesus is exactly where we left him last week. Jesus is teaching. He's beside the seat, and he's teaching. Man, teacher's going to teach, and he is teaching. So that's not new. But we do learn something new this week. This week, Mark gives us a little bit of insight. He gives us a little bit of commentary into Jesus' style of teaching. And so we learn that not only was he teaching, he is often employing parables, He was teaching them many things in parables. This is Jesus' style. He tends to use these stories, simple sketches that illustrate his lessons in memorable ways. He uses these stories. And so we find today that he's going to give us a story. And it doesn't begin with once upon a time, okay? His story begins with, there once was a sower who went out to sow. And so he tells us this story, right, about a farmer, about a planter who comes and he has a bunch of seed. And this sower, no, I'm not going to throw it at you in the splash zone, all right? They all recoiled, right? And this sower, he starts to scatter his seed. And he's throwing the seed everywhere that he goes. And as he scatters the seed, the seed is going to land in different environments, There are are, are different types of soil, and each of those soil results in a different outcome. And so he's out there scattering, and some of the seed, it falls along the path. Not concrete, not your paved driveway. This is still soil, but it is packed down so hard because of all the years of trampling over it. People have walked here. And therefore, it's impenetrable. And so the seed, it just sits on the path, unable to burrow deep. And what happens? Birds come and scoop it away. Okay. Well, he keeps scattering. And some of the seed, it doesn't fall on the path. It goes a little bit further. And we see that it lands in rocky ground. There's some soil. It's able to burrow. But the rocks, it's so so thin, the soil. There's not enough depth that there's nowhere for the roots to grow except for up. And so the plant grows up. However, because there's no depth, because there are no roots to sustain it with water, when the heat rises at the noonday, the sun scorches it and it withers away. Well, there's other seed there. And some of the seed, it falls on the thorns. And so there's soil. There's enough soil for it to grow. But there are also other things that are growing in the soil. There are these thorns that are crowding out and choking the grain from producing. So three soils, three conditions that are unable for the seed to grow. But then there's a fourth one, and he calls it good soil. It's rich, it's fertile, and the seed is able to sit there and burrow deep, and it produces much fruit. That's the story. How many of you are here going, mmm, yes, that's exactly what I needed to hear this morning. Dirt and seed and soil. Yes, Jesus, I get where you're coming from. Yay. <laughs> hey, if you have no idea what Jesus is talking about here, you're in good company, okay? But you have a microphone, not me. The crowd, okay? They heard this story and they were like, uh, what is he talking about? And so we're going to get into the meaning of this little story. But before we do, I want you to notice that in our passage, there are two audiences. It happened very subtle. As we read through that passage, there was a scene shift. Did you notice? There was an audience change. Something happened. And so let's go back. In the very beginning of our passage, we see early on that there was a very large crowd. Okay? This crowd was big. It was so big that Jesus needed to use a boat as a pulpit. I know, missed opportunity. I know it. My creative department is on it for next time, okay? He has to get away from the crowd, he has to make some distance. And so he gets in a boat, pushes it offshore, and he's standing in the boat teaching. Very large crowd. But notice how the scene shifts, right? Eventually, if you're a careful reader, you'll see as the, as the story goes on, we see eventually the crowd disperses. Jesus is now alone. And as the crowd disperses, some people are still with Jesus. Some people have followed him, presumably back to the house, and they are gathered around him with the twelve. Do you see the two audiences? Mark wants us to identify, he wants us to see two very different audiences because these audiences are going to have two very different reactions to the parable. They have two very different reactions to Jesus' teaching. And so as we look at those in the house, as we look at the second group here, we see that the parable has provoked hungry hearts. The parable has provoked hungry hearts. Some people, they heard this parable, and they were confused. But we see them follow Jesus back into the house, and now they're sitting around him to learn more. They heard the parable, and now we see them asking questions. There was something inside of them that caused them to lean in, and they're intrigued, and they're leaning into this, saying, I want to understand more. They're inquiring. They're asking for understanding. And so here they are, asking him about the parables. Why? Because they want to understand. You see, Jesus' parable has provoked hungry hearts. It has revealed An interest in the kingdom of God and a hunger for truth. Friends, are you hungry for truth? Is there something inside of you that as you listen to Jesus' words, as you listen to this teacher's messages, is there something inside of you that causes you to lean in and inquire and you're interested and you want to understand it. You want, this is a puzzle, but, but man, I sense that there's something important here, and I want to get it. Are you hungry for truth? They are. But as we read, we realize not everybody responded this way, did they? Not everyone is hungry. Not everyone follows Jesus back into the house hungry for truth. And so we see that there are some people outside, right? They're inside the house, and look at the result. They are given the secret of the kingdom of God. They're leaning in, and we learn those who seek truth will receive it. And so here they are. They're learning the key to this entire movement. They're pursuing truth, and so they are learning that the key to understanding this entire kingdom is the arrival of the king himself those who come to Jesus and want truth will have it revealed to them and so they're learning about the kingdom because they're coming to the king like I said not everyone is this hungry not everyone is in the house pursuing Jesus and so some people stayed outside some they heard the parable and they go uh, I don't really get it nor do I care to Call me for the next miracle session. I don't really understand what's going on there. Call me for the next crowd. Call me for the next party. You see, the parables have not only provoked hungry hearts, they've also exposed hard hearts. The parable has revealed the fact that there are some people who are not interested in the truth there are some people who don't care to know what Jesus actually meant and here's what blows my mind friends Jesus doesn't seem to be surprised Jesus is not there going what don't you guys want to understand wait why don't you ask more questions come on don't you don't you want to know what I mean don't you want to follow me back to the house he's not surprised he says yep This is exactly what was written back in Isaiah chapter 6. There are people who see, but they don't perceive. They hear, but they don't understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. You see, you have to understand the background. The prophets of old experienced exactly what Jesus is experiencing now. You think of Jeremiah, one of the great prophets. Hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not. Ezekiel, he was told, son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house who have eyes to see but see not, who have ears to hear but hear not, for they are a rebellious house. God told the prophets to go with a message toward a people, knowing full well that they would reject him. God told the prophets to carry this message to a people. And they knew full well that they would ignore them, reject them, and stiff-arm them. And they went anyway. And Jesus is here and he says, history is repeating itself. I'm not surprised. History is repeating itself. Jesus is experiencing the same thing that the prophets did. We've already seen the true colors of those outside. Remember? The religious leaders, they didn't believe him. His own family, they didn't believe him. Those outside, the very people that Jesus was sent to, are ignoring him, rejected by those he was sent to. Just like the Israelites of old, they have eyes, but they're not seeing it. They have ears, but they're not hearing it. Friends, there's nothing wrong with their eyes. There's nothing wrong with their ears. There's something wrong with their heart. Because they're in the presence of truth with a capital T. Truth himself. And they don't care. And so... These cryptic sayings, these these simple illustrations and sketches, they are not resulting in drawing them in. It's not resulting in them leaning in for truth because they don't want the truth. Some may even say they can't handle the truth. And he gives it to them anyway. They're not drawn to a closer inspection of the meaning. Otherwise, they would come to Jesus. And so Jesus says, hey, they're not going to get anything beyond the initial telling of those parables. They're not going to get any more explanation because they're not leaning in. And so here's what's crazy. These illustrations, these stories that are meant to highlight and reveal truth are highlighting and revealing disinterest. It's highlighting and revealing their their lack of concern. You see, friends, these outsiders, they're not leaning in for understanding. They are walking away with indifference. Do you see the mixed reviews? Do you guys see the two audiences here? Friends, parables invite the hungry but expose the indifferent. This is what we've seen for the last several weeks. There are two reactions. There are those inside and those outside. Those who come near to Jesus and believe, and those who stay away in disbelief. And as we see these reactions playing out, as we see the two responses to Jesus, we are called to ask how will you respond? How will you respond to the parables? How do you respond to Jesus' teaching? Are you like those in the house who lean in and press in and say, man, I want to understand this. I want to get this. There's something here. Or are you like those who stay far away and settle for a moment? How will you respond to Jesus' teachings? And so as we consider the condition of our hearts, As we consider our own response, as we reflect on our own reaction to Jesus' teaching, right? We're sitting here going, I need to understand my heart. And Jesus now is going to come and he's going to explain the meaning of the parable. And as he does, he's going to give you four categories, four ways, four scenarios to understand where you might be. And so let's look at his explanation of this story. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, and 60-fold, and 100-fold. And so Jesus says, let me explain it to you. And so he begins his explanation, and look what he says. First thing, do you not understand this parable? I picture God, like when I I read this, I picture Jesus like, you don't understand this parable? I'm busy right now, and so like, do you really need the spark notes? Like it wasn't good, fine, I'll explain it to you. Is that what Jesus sounded like? Is Jesus being impatient? Is he frustrated and exasperated by their inquiries? No, no, no. We're going to learn this next week, all right? Next week, we're going to see that Jesus actually celebrates and is encouraging them to lean in here for understanding. He's not frustrated. He's like a whimsical teacher with a smile playing on his lips, inviting them to lean in here, playfully inviting them to dig deeper. Oh, you don't understand this one? Oh, really? really? you don't understand this parable, huh? And so he invites them in deeper. He's pleased by their pursuit of truth. He's pleased by the attention that they're giving this mind puzzle. And he says, I'm glad that you're leaning in because if you don't understand this one, how will you understand all the parables? He says, hey, 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 I'm glad you're leaning in here because there is something so fundamental here. There is something so foundational that if you don't get this one, the rest of them aren't going to make sense. And so it's good that we're spending a little bit of extra time. This one is so important that if you don't get it, you're not going to understand anything else about me or my purpose or your life. And so class is in session. Let me explain to you what I mean. And so Jesus says, here's what I mean by this story. He says, the sower sows the word. In the same way, that a sower is scattering seed all over the place. That is an apt illustration. That is a perfect metaphor for how the gospel is reaching out to the world, okay? The spreading and the sharing of the gospel message is likened to a sower spreading his grain. In other words, the movement's message has a mixed reception. He says, you know how a sower goes out there and he scatters the seed, and there's different reactions to it. You, you know how a farmer goes out there and he scatters the seed, and like it doesn't all work the same? He says that's the perfect illustration for how the gospel reaches the world. The movement's message has a mixed reception. Notice the farmer is not going out there with pinpoint placements of the grain. Boop, right? he's, not, he's not going out and examining the conditions of the soil and he doesn't take out his thermometer and he tests it first to see if it... He's just throwing the seed and he's scattering it far and wide and as it spreads, it's getting everywhere. And he doesn't seem to care. He's just spreading it far and wide and as he does this, there are inevitably different outcomes. There are different outcomes. And so our boy's out there scattering the seed, and some of it, man, he just misses, right? Some of it, it lands on the path. And so we talked about this, right? The soil is so hard. It is so packed down. It is so impenetrable after years of stomping by passersby that the seed can't burrow into the earth. And so it just sits there on top. It sits there on top until a bird comes and scoops it up. And so Jesus says, in the same way, just like this path, there are people here whose hearts are so hard that though they've heard the word, it doesn't go anywhere. And so Satan comes and he takes advantage of that hard heart and he comes and he takes away the word. Why are these hearts so hard? Who knows? Maybe it's hurt. Maybe it's years of church hurt, disappointment. Maybe we're here this morning and we have had the soft soil of our heart walked on enough times that we are now hard with anger and our hearts are hard with disappointment. Our hearts are hard with bitterness. It is what it is. Some people's hearts are hard, but here's what's eye-opening to me. Instead of trying to focus on the cause of the hard-heartedness, look at the result. Here's what's eye-opening. There is an enemy who would love to take advantage of that situation. There is an enemy of your soul who is actively seeking to undermine and disrupt the advancement of Jesus' rescue mission, not only in the world, but in your own heart. And so here's what gets my attention, right? If my hard heart is caused for celebration by Satan, I might want to address my hard heart. If I see the team across the field pumping their fist when I call that play, I may want to think twice about the play that I'm calling. Because if my enemy is celebrating, what am I doing? May our hard hearts not cause us to get things twisted. Jesus is not your enemy. God is not out to hurt you. Jesus is not disgusted with you. Don't allow hard hearts to get it twisted. Jesus is for you, Satan is against you. And so some land on the path. But our guy keeps scattering seed, right? And so some of it, it doesn't land on the path, it's slightly off a little bit further and it lands on rocky ground. It lands on rocky ground. We got a low battery warning here. It lands on rocky ground. I grew up in the Poconos, and uh, you gotta understand, I, I was born in New York City. I, like My first place I ever lived was a 26-story apartment building, right? And so you're like, wow! I'm like, no, not wow, right? And so we're growing up there, and then we moved to Pennsylvania, and we have land. An acre of land. And my dad, you would have thought he was Captain Hook or something, man, because he would just stare out that window and go, I'm going to make it green. I'm going to make a lawn. He just, he's always wanted a lawn. But we grew up in the city. They don't know what they're doing. And so they go out there. And my dad, he's just, like, throwing grass seed, right? And he's, like, raking. And he's, like, man, I don't think it's working. I'm like, why not, pops? It's too rocky. And so he hires me and all of my friends on the block. And he says, hey, I'll give you a nickel for every rock you pick up. I, I mean, That's a logical thought, right? We don't know. We're in the Pocono Mountains, so I don't know. Maybe there's like 3,000 feet of rock, but we're out there going, we need to grow grass. And so me and my friends, it's like a game. We have a wheelbarrow, and we're like, and we're like throwing rocks in there. My dad's like, are you guys done yet? We're like, no, pops. Another 2,900 feet of rock. We'll call you when it's done, you know? Nothing can grow in the rocky soil. And in the same way, some of the seed, it's caught there, and there's not enough soil. It's so shallow. It's so thin, that the only room it has to grow is up. And it comes, and it's exciting. There's enthusiasm. You go, wow, that worked quick. But when the heat of the sun rises to its noonday strength, it withers. And so Jesus is saying, in the same way, there are people who hear the message of the gospel, and their response is with joy. There's such an enthusiasm, there's such an exciting reception that it makes you go, wow, that was fast, it worked. But the lack of roots, the lack of depth of understanding results in the fact that all of the growth we're seeing is above ground and not enough underground. These are people who have no roots The lack of roots, it doesn't bode well for them when tribulation, when the heat of persecution arises, the result is that they wither and fall away. This is the rocky soil. Now notice he's not saying life is hard and that's the rocks. No, no, no. We get it. Life is hard. When we are human, this is part of the human existence. But he's not saying life is hard. What he's saying is when you become a follower of Jesus, when you subscribe to this word, life becomes a special kind of hard. Not just life is hard. No, you're going to experience trouble on account of the word. There is a particular difficulty. There is a particular struggle. There is a unique trouble that you will face because your reception of this word will not be celebrated by all. Your allegiance to King Jesus will not be applauded by all. As a matter of fact, the very world system, the very operating system of this world is opposite of and antithetical to everything that Jesus stands for. And so if you stand with Jesus, don't be surprised when those who oppose Jesus now oppose you. It's going to get rocky. It's going to be a special kind of trouble. But friends, can I just tell you it's worth it all? It's worth it all, knowing him, knowing his nearness, his goodness, knowing his reward of eternal life for all of those who endure to the end. It's going to get rocky, but it's worth it. And so this picture reminds us that we must seek to add roots to our initial enthusiasm and joy. That's why youth group is so important. Going to a camp twice a year and having the enthusiasm and the excitement, yay, Jesus, it's not enough. Because when they experience persecution in school, when they stand against the tidal wave of culture, telling them the opposite of what the kingdom stands for, they need roots. They need community. They need a depth of understanding. Yes, we can play with pies, but Pastor Ronnie is going through the Bible with them every week. That's what it's about. Because we need roots. And so, friend, are you seeking a depth of understanding? Do you have a rooted connection to the family of God? He's scattering. Some on the path, some in rocky soil. And then we see that others, it lands in a different scenario. It lands among thorns, which tells us that there is enough soil. It's not a matter of the depth of soil. It has enough soil, but there are other things competing for space in the soil there are thorns here and the potential growth is choked out by these thorns it's as if the the thorn is saying to the grain this soil is not big enough for the two of us and the thorns win <clears throat> and so jesus says in the same way there are some people here who hear the word but there's competition for space in your heart the call to live for God the call to come and live in the kingdom is crowded out by the call to come and experience what the world has to offer and so there are things competing for the affections of your heart there are things competing for the space in your soul there are things that want your attention and allegiance over and above Jesus And so the world, it waves its offerings, trying to convince you that what it has is so much better than what Jesus offers. And Jesus says, those are thorns. And look what he calls the thorns. He actually names a couple of thorns to watch out for. He says, the cares of the world. Newsflash, friends, the world cares about certain things. The world has identified its priorities and its must-haves, and those things are competing for your attention and affection. The world is there, and it's offering and waving its riches, possessions, and comfort. There is an allure there. Let's be real. Sometimes those things are attractive. But he said, hey, the cake is a lie. It's fool's gold. It's fake because it's deceitful. Overpromise and massively underdeliver. The riches that are calling us to pursue them are false because they end and do not satisfy. And yet we're human and our hearts are tempted, and our desires and our pursuit of those things take our attention away from the kingdom and it chokes the word. The seed that was so powerfully scattered, it has no space in our heart among these competing affections. Friends, what are you doing to take care of the thorns in the soul of your heart? What are you doing to fight back and to make sure that those possessions don't own you? Friends, I think this is very important, especially for those of us here in Talbot County, right? There is a lot of earthly good out here. There are lots of possessions. What are we doing to make sure that those things don't threaten to choke out our affection for Jesus and our commitment to his ways? How are we fighting to make sure that worldly things don't own us but that we own them? We're not going there today, right? But as you fast forward, you'll see that Jesus gives us the most powerful vaccination against the attraction of those things. He gives us the single most sure way to inoculate ourselves against the temptations and the allure of those things. One word, give. Second word, share. Maybe a third word, run, right? Whatever we need to do. But when we give things away, it prevents those thorns from getting a grip of our hearts and owning us. Well, of course you're saying give. You're a pastor. Guys, you don't have to give to East Point, you can give as the church anywhere. There is need all around us. We have neighbors who lack where we are abundant. There are organizations who need what we have. You can give, but you give. And as you give, as you share what you have, you are fighting back the thorns of the world's concerns and priorities. It inoculates us against the vice grip of greed and the unhealthy attachment to earthly possessions. Man, good thing I'm not rich, huh? You live in America. You are all rich. Honestly, right? Relatively speaking, historically speaking, we are rich. If Jesus' audience were to see your house, your bank account, your apartment, your car, your shoes, if they were to see you, they'd go, He's talking to you. The thorns of this life, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the pride of possessions. Can we just be real? It's hard, isn't it? Everything in our heart screams, I want that. And Jesus is here saying, hey, I'm better. I'm better. And so three soils, some on the path, some on the rocky soil, some among the thorns. And then the last soil, the last seed, it said it lands on good soil. The conditions here are good this is like my wife, she, she gardens and we have these things called beds. Like, you know the beds? Like, you have to make raised beds for the ground. I'm like, it's the ground. Why do they need a bed, right? It's the earth, you know? But you got to give the earth a bed or something. And so you raise their bed up and, and she's in there and she massages the dirt. You know what I mean? Like, what do you do? I'm cultivating. No, you're not. You're getting dirty, you know? And it's just, just plant and it's rich and it's fertile and there are worms and things are alive and it's, and it's good. For planting, and when seed drops into that soil, everything that the sower man was hoping for comes to fruition. This is what he lives for. That seed takes root and it produces fruit, and the fruit that it produces has seed inside of it. And that seed has seed, which produces seed, which then goes on to produce more seed, which produces more seed, which takes over the entire bed. Remember that, that saying where it said, inside of an acorn is an entire forest, right? <laughs> I don't know the, the Eastern Shore equivalent, but inside of a single einkorn is an entire crop of crops, <laughs> an entire stretch of 50 right there, Right? This is what happens when the seed finds fertile soil. It doesn't just reach to that person's heart. The seed doesn't just do a work in them. It begins to do a work through them. Jesus' meaning is very clear. Those who, th- this soil corresponds to those who hear the word and they accept it. They receive it. They believe it. And I don't know how it works. I'm not a horticulturist. I'm not a scientist. But it produces fruit as they live for Jesus. That one seed, it results in a life of fruitful living and fruitful mission as they now go and help others become followers of Jesus. And this is what we see, right? We meet people who are far from God, and then I, we don't even know how it happens. It's just the kingdom where it's like, boom, and they're saved. And before you know it, they're bringing people to faith. You know, one of my favorite things to do is when I lead a a discipleship group with new believers, one of my favorite things to do is I tell them, I go, this is crazy, right? And they're like, yeah, never would have thought I'm in one of these. And I go, you know what's even crazier? One day, you're going to be leading one like this. Oh, dude, no way. I go, no, 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 dude, trust me, because I used to sit where you sat. This is how it works in the kingdom. The seed has just taken root in your heart. And I know you're just looking at a flat piece of earth, and you're like, dude, we'll see what God does here. And I'm telling you what God is going to do. 30-fold. 60 fold, 100 fold, as more and more people in this geographic influence are impacted by the person who received the word. Every time that seed hits fertile soil, blast radius of change, blast radius of transformation. And so Jesus has mixed reviews. There are a variety of reactions and responses to his message. And we've seen two this morning. We saw two audiences, those outside by the sea and those inside the house, and we see how they respond differently. And as we see their reaction, it causes us to consider our own. And Jesus is calling us to consider the soil of your soul. Consider the soil of your soul. You see, these four categories, these four different types of soils, these four scenarios are categories for us to wonder which one of these depicts the condition of my heart. Which one of these soils depicts the condition of your soul? And here's what we need to understand. Jesus is not telling us these four soils to go, that's just the way it is. Some of you are hard. Some of you are rocky. Some of you are thorny. At least we got 25% of you. Is that what Jesus is doing? Is he being fatalistic here? Just, it is what it is. I don't think so. I think he's showing us these various soils because as we consider the soil of our own souls, we can do something about it. And so some of you are here and you see the hard the hard path and you go that's me break it up break it up you find a good counselor you find a good strong mature Christian you find people who can help you work through your past so that not only will Jesus redeem your past but he'll sanctify your past and as you work up that hardness you become good soil some of you are here and you identify with the rocky soil and man, you remember what it was like. Remember when you were a teenager? Remember when you first got invited to East Point? Remember when you first went to community group and you're like, this is awesome, this changed my life. And you're starting to feel the sun and the heat of opposition rise. And you're starting to feel a little bit wilty. And you're like, maybe I should just get baptized again. Maybe that's what I need. Maybe I should just go to a new camp. Maybe I should just go to church. Maybe I just need more excitement. No, you need roots. Add a depth of understanding. You need to join a community group where you actually read the Bible every week. Some of you need to stop by the Connect counter and get a bookmark. We will give you a reading plan. You're like, I don't know where to start. We'll give you one reading plan on a bookmark. We'll give you another bookmark that tells you how to read your Bible. Boom, depth of understanding. Some of you are here this morning and the thorns of life deceitfulness of riches have had their hook in you and you don't even know when it happened you don't know how it happened but at some point you stopped running after Jesus and now you're running after riches how do you know if you're doing that where are you putting your time one of the clearest ways that we see our heart two ways in our time and in our words are you talking about your portfolio more than you're talking about the kingdom Are you spending more time looking at your bank account than you are looking at the Word? Are you spending more time uh, looking at other other prospects out there and what you could do? Another side hustle, another job. I know it's going to pull me away from Sunday, but ah, if I just do this for 20 years, I'll be set. Beware of the thorns. So we can break up the path. We can add roots to the rocky soil. We can cut back the thorns so that we can aspire toward the good soil. So that by God's grace, we can cultivate a heart that is open to receive this seed. And here's what we do. You, friend, you consider the soil of your soul. And you know what God will do? You know what God will do is you consider the soil of your soul? He'll keep doing what he does. Scatter the seed. Because there's nothing wrong with the seed. This is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. This tiny seed, this simple message that God came and pursued you and wiped away your sins in the person of Jesus so that you could be in his family, done. Simple message. And it'll change your life. Tiny seed, and it will result in fruit that will change your family tree. And so here at East Point, we love this word. We preach it every week. Come back next week, you'll hear it again. The story that Jesus loved us so much that He gave His life so that we can believe in Him and not perish but have eternal life. God will keep spreading the seed. You keep checking the soil of your soul. Don't stop. I've been a believer for 20 years. Don't stop. You know what happens to our garden? Our fancy earth beds that are raised? My wife's saying, Don't tell them. I'm telling him, you know what happens when we stop massaging the earth? Other things growing there, and it's weeds, and it's nasty, and it crowds it out. And so some of you here, this is not a come to Jesus salvation call. This is a check the soil of your soul call. Take inventory. God's going to keep spreading the seed, and he's going to do it only he can do 30, 60, 100 times. This movement is taking over the globe. Spoiler alert spoiler alert the earth will be filled with the glory of god as the waters cover the earth spoiler alert we win spoiler alert the crop is taking over spoiler alert the harvest is plentiful and he wins and the fruit is going to accomplish exactly what he set out to accomplish when he sent his son the salvation of the world he'll keep spreading this to the sea. check the soil consider the soil of your soul let's pray Father thank you for this word thank you for sending Jesus what do we have that we have not received what good have we done on our own to warrant such love and care by our creator it's sheer grace and for that we're grateful Lord would you by your Holy Spirit do surgery in our hearts as we consider the soil of our souls, would you make it fertile, make it pliable, break up the hard ground, cut back the thorns, clear out the rocky soil, make us receptive to your word. We submit. We believe that it's the power of God for salvation and we want to believe. Would you help our unbelief? We love you, Lord. May you be magnified in our life. In Jesus' name. the church said amen we want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast my name is daniel and i'm the music and creative pastor here at east point church and if you were challenged encouraged or impacted in any way by this week's sermon we would love to hear about it It's your stories that encourage us in what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.